to The Green Urbanist, the podcast for urbanists fighting climate change. I'm Rob. Today I have a mini episode for you. I am working on a much longer episode all about um, climate change and food, particularly about livestock, um, carbon emissions and ecosystems. But it's taking a bit longer than anticipated because basically I'm doing a lot of research for it. So in the meantime, to sort of fill the place, I've, um, I've found this really interesting bit of research that I want to share with you. It should come as no surprise that a changing climate is having impacts on our food. Increased incidences of drought, flooding and more changeable, less dependable weather can clearly negatively impact on our food supplies. But there is one effect of climate change on our food that you may not be aware of. Specifically, this relates to the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. If you remember back to your secondary school science classes, you'll know that plants absorb carbon dioxide and transform these molecules into carbohydrates that they use to grow. That's a very simplistic version of it. As we burn fossil fuels and and pump carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, this has suddenly changed the chemical environment for plant growth. On one hand, it may seem like it could be beneficial, and there are actually people arguing for this, believe it or not. I mean, more CO2 means that there's more food for plants, so they should be able to grow bigger and faster. And that's great for agricultural production, right? But researchers have recently uncovered a startling relationship. The more CO2 the plants absorb as they grow, the less nutrients they actually produce. As the extra carbon in the air provides fuel for a growth spurt, the plants do grow faster, but they accommodate this pace by creating more carbohydrates, essentially sugar, at the expense of vitamins, minerals and protein. In the age of climate change, with a greater concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than ever before in human history, our food is becoming less and less nutritious. There's a fascinating article on politico.com that discusses this phenomenon, which is chillingly titled The Great Nutrient Collapse. A quote from one of the researchers interviewed in this article reads, Every leaf and every grass blade on earth makes more and more sugars as CO2 levels keep rising. We are witnessing the greatest injection of carbohydrates into the biosphere in human history. An injection that dilutes other nutrients in our food supply. Actually, the fact that the nutritional value of our crops has been decreasing over the years is well known within the research community. Scientists have measured the rates of iron, protein, vitamin C and and other key nutrients in crops like wheat and rice, and have seen a clear decline over the last 70 years. One study from 2004 found that since 1940, the levels of some of these key nutrients in certain foods has fallen by one third. However, it was assumed that the reason for this was simply that intensive farming practices favour crop varieties that have a better yield rather than those that are the most nutritious. And so over time, we've just been selectively growing more and more of these less nutritious varieties. Uh, That seems logical, and it may well play a part in this. But recent experiments have shown a clear relationship between the carbon dioxide levels and reduced nutrients, a correlation that seems to be playing out all over the world. This issue poses separate problems for wealthy developed countries and poorer developing ones. For us in the Western world, our problem 
in fact, is too many calories. We produce and consume far too much low-nutrient, high-carbohydrate food as it is. The further dilution of our vegetables and crops just exacerbates this problem. But people who are conscious of their health will already be eating a more diverse diet. With, uh, and with enough variety in your diet, you may not feel the negative effects of uh, these re- reduction in nutrients. What we have to understand is that millions of people around the world rely on a very small number of foods to meet their nutritional needs. Rice, corn and wheat constitute two-thirds of all human food consumption. So populations that are dependent on the slim nutritional provision of these grains are particularly fragile. A 2018 study found that the effect of carbon emissions on rice alone could imperil the health of 600 million people. Back to that article in Politico. A roundup in... (coughs) Looking back to uh, that article in Politico I mentioned earlier... A roundup of the recent research on this sums up the global nature of the problem. Quoting from the article, In the summer of 2017, a group of researchers published the first studies attempting to estimate what these shifts could mean for the global population. Plants are a crucial source of protein for people in the developing world, and by 2050 they estimate 150 million people could be put at risk of protein deficiency, particularly in countries like India and Bangladesh. Researchers found a loss of zinc, which is particularly essential for maternal and infant health, could put 138 million people at risk. They also estimated that more than 1 billion mothers and 354 million children live in countries where dietary iron is projected to drop significantly, which could exacerbate the already widespread public health problem of anemia. I don't have an easy solution for this. This sad story is is reinforcing the belief I have that the climate emergency is changing our lives in ways we don't understand or are only beginning to understand. It also provides another example of how climate change is hitting the developing world hardest, the people who live the least carbon-intensive lives. These countries face the challenge of raising standards of living, reducing hunger and growing their economies while also reducing carbon emissions. And perhaps the scariest aspect of this, as I mentioned, is it's been known for a long time that the nutritional content of our food has been reducing. But this hasn't entered into political discourse or agricultural policy. It's a problem that's been acknowledged as an interesting trend, but not something to actually take action on. In other words, it's accepted, despite the huge implications for global health. I know this was a different kind of episode to normal, both in topic and length, so let me know what you think on Twitter and Instagram. Please also subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss any future episodes. That's it for today. Thank you so much.